Hi everyone, Jamie Finn here from On The Ball Team Building and this is the very first episode of an Inside View podcast. Over the past number of weeks, we've been doing Instagram live Q&As with some of the top athletes from around the country. After receiving very positive feedback, we decided to bring this to the podcast platform in order to make it more accessible to people. By the way, these live Instagram Q&As will be up on this podcast platform over the coming weeks. On an Inside View podcast, we'll be talking to established, up-and-coming and retired athletes from around the world to discuss their respective careers. We'll also be delving into the business world where we'll be sitting down with successful business people from Ireland and abroad, detailing all the high and low points they've experienced in their respective careers to date and any advice they would give people. You may be wondering why sports and business people. Well, it's quite simple. There's a lot of crossovers between them and in order to succeed in both a positive team culture and having a strong team is highly important. We want this podcast to be both enjoyable and motivational for you, the listener. We hope you'll draw inspiration from some of the interviewee stories. Everything is not always straightforward in life. And we hope by listening to these athletes or business people's stories, it'll make you realise it is okay to be feeling down, to be feeling demotivated, or to be feeling fed up in that moment. But things will turn around. We hope these stories will give you some inspiration to push forward and help your ambition meet your potential. You can also contribute to the show on a weekly basis by sending in some memorable stories you may have when part of a team, whether it's celebrating a win with your teammates or stories of some of your colleagues in your workplace. We'd love to hear them. It'll give you a bit of crack and it may be able to help other listeners to relate to such stories. It is now time to bring on our very first guest to an Inside View podcast which is current Irish women's rugby international player, Catherine Dane. Catherine made her Irish senior debut in the 2019 Six Nations Championship at the age of 23. Her journey to representing her country is quite remarkable and should definitely give encouragement to those who may be in a similar situation. To never give up and if there is a will, there is a way. Catherine also gives us an exclusive insight into her daily routine of balancing a full-time job as a physiotherapist in Dublin and training at an elite level in order to represent her country. Catherine, perfect. Look, thanks very much for joining me on the very first episode of an Inside View podcast. Um, it's going to be something different and thanks for having the face to come on. Um, don't know what to expect, but sure, look, we'll, we'll see what happens. How are you keeping? Hi, Jamie. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on your first podcast. I'm keeping the very best here. Uh, I don't know, is it 10, 10 weeks now I've locked on? So I um, have plenty of time to, to reflect on things and uh, get my, my, uh, my workouts and my fine-tune my skills as much as possible here. What about yourself? Good, good, good. Now, nah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm just, uh, just trying to stay active and keep the mind active is, uh, is the biggest thing at the moment. Um, but uh, that's uh, look, that's um, I suppose with the weather, it, it makes things much, much easier. What about how are you staying active? Are you training regularly or? 
Yep. Um, I try to train at least five to six times a week um, between uh, home workouts uh, and pitch sessions uh, in terms of running. And uh, I'm lucky enough that Trinity College has, has lent me um, a barbell and plates and, and a few weights and stuff. So I've got them around the house and I'm lucky enough to have really active housemates and Jenny Murphy, the the ex international rugby player and everything there to, to do the workouts with me. So um it's a perfect environment to, to get my strength and conditioning gains in. That's very good. They they say it's uh it's people hanging around with definitely uh rubs off on you. So that's uh you're you're in good company there. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very lucky. Um and lucky enough right side of park here too that I can find you in my kicking and passing and um, do it in the sunshine as well, which is which is brilliant. And I learned so much from my two housemates uh, for for both of those skills. Perfect, very good, very good, very good. And um, you are uh, you're an Inniskillen woman. Would I be right to say that, or are you just from the outskirts? <laughs> that's that's correct, Inniskillen, Manor, born and bred. And uh, is uh, is it a rugby stronghold, or did you did you start uh, play, what age did you start playing rugby? I suppose Enniskillen would be a rugby stronghold. Uh, I started playing at age eight uh, with the mini rugby lads. Um, fairly sure I was far too small and uh, half the size of most of the lads. But uh, luckily enough, my dad was ex-club captain back in the day and, and all I could do about the club. So he, he made sure I was, I was let train and um, mock in with the boys. <laughs> very good, very good. So that that uh, do you think that helped you going forward um onto your international career, I suppose, when you played with with lads at a young age? Massively, yeah, yeah. I suppose it um gave me the confidence to play alongside bigger players, um gave me that bit of physicality um from the start and it really nailed down my tackle tech and uh my game sense and, and tactics, I think from a, an early age, which I'm really thankful for because I know a lot of girls um, in women's rugby have come late to the sport and you know it is it is a bit of a challenge to try and get that game sense and, and tactics in um in, in such a short space of time so I'm, I'm very lucky that way. Um I I saw there that you you decided to take a break from from rugby at uh, at the age 12 am I right in saying that and you focused on on soccer? Yeah, yeah. So it kind of it wasn't really a a choice for me. I I had to stop because um I think insurance wise at the club as well, it just wasn't safe for me to, to continue playing above the age of twelve with the lads. Um, you know, they all got bigger and bigger and bigger, and uh, sadly I didn't. So um, it wouldn't have been worthwhile. But I was very lucky to um still be playing soccer at the same time, and I was kind of. Um, playing, playing underage uh, with the boys there as well, and lucky enough, the um, the football association up up um, in Northern Ireland is is quite well established. So, um, I was able to slot into the underage program there, and and very lucky to represent Northern Ireland in the soccer as well. And that was under seventeen, wasn't it? You represent them in the European Championship, was it? Was that was the yeah, championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had. Um, I think it was. Bob Doherty tournament um, at under 15 age uh, in Scotland and Wales. And then at under 17 level, yeah, we were 
we were some team. We we made it to the European um, finals in Leon or uh, or was it semi-finals? And uh, we that was that was a, a crazy experience as well. That was 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 brilliant. Um, and I suppose that gave me a, an early taster of that elite environment and being able to um, conduct myself in a professional manner and everything um, really did give me a bit of a stepping stone towards making senior squads then. Oh, and exactly. What, what was the combine? Like you said, you got to see different, different professional setups as well. Like, and that, that's all going to have a positive effect on, on someone. Um, but where, where did the hockey come into it then? <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose um, hockey, my, the school I attended, um, secondary school was in a school in collegiate grammar school. And, uh, it was quite renowned for, for its hockey and um, I'll throw my hand to, to all sports and I suppose uh, I ended up really, really enjoying the hockey and played, joined the local Enniskillen Hockey Club as well and sure, I was probably the youngest on that senior ladies team too but I uh, really enjoyed all the trips all around the country playing hockey matches and um, I think I my experience of all of those sports combined at the one time really did me a favour in, in um, igniting my passion for sport and keeping me really interested. Because I think if I had went down the rugby route straight away from such a young age, I probably would be half sick of it by now. But um, because I came into it, I know I started early, but I had the break and then I came into it a little bit later from 18. I've now got... Um, my my peak years to to look forward to and you know the sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. That's it. And uh, where where did golf come into this as well? Was I I I, <laughs> I, I came I came across something about you playing a bit of golf. Oh uh, yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> so my uncle Richard, uh, he actually lives at Castle uh, Hume Golf Course, and uh, that's a place up in Fermanagh. And I suppose he had me playing golf from a young age. Um, he used to get me classes and, and uh, I used to do like little junior tournaments um, most weekends of the summer as well. Uh, that, was, that was probably when I was about 13, 14 years of age. I really, really enjoyed it, but uh, I suppose I didn't really have the patience to for the full 18 the whole time. Maybe, maybe as I get a bit older, I'll, I'll pick it up again. But um, no, pit, pitch and putts probably is as uh, as long I'll play golf for at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when did when did rugby come back into your life again? Um, you know, you were saying there that you had to take a break for a while due to insurance reasons. When did you get playing rugby again? I suppose it was from playing tag rugby from age about fifteen in school. Um, so we were really lucky. We had um, Mr. and Mrs. Finley from school who, who were incredible rugby coaches at the time. And in Ulster, there only was really tag rugby tournaments going on amongst the schools. So uh, we were really lucky to get up to the um, Ulster tag rugby finals um, that were held in uh, Ravenhill or Kingspan each year. Uh, so that really gave me a taste for, for rugby again. And then... I really didn't have the opportunity to play rugby union until about 18, my final year of school, where I kind of decided amongst uh, my fellow 
schoolmates and Tiger rugby mates in school that we would set up an under 18 team at Enniskillen for the girls and yeah we just transferred straight across um, and honestly it was seamless there, there wasn't a massive um, skills gap in terms of technique or tackling at all so um, that worked out really well because we ended up winning the, the Ulster Championship then that, that following summer so um, it really gave me the taste for Gosh, if you've got a really good unit there and good group of girls, like you can you can achieve anything. You know, you don't really need to be um training for years or you don't need the the facilities or the setup there. You can just do it yourself if, if you've got that that shared goal and ambition, you can go get it. Like that's brilliant. That goes that goes to show exactly like you said, you know, what can be you know, what you can achieve and what we say group of people or teams can achieve when when they have that goal um and i read something uh i was told that maybe that uh you you used to bribe the girls to make sure they'd uh come to the games is there something true in that oh my god yeah yeah so um sometimes the 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 effort to, to attend training uh would waver a little bit in the girls so uh lucky enough I was driving at the time and I would say, all right, girls, come on. Um, I'd fill up my car with the girls and, and say, I'll buy you all pizzas. Uh, we'll have the pizzas before training and get the training done. I'll drop you home. And that was a really good way of, of getting them to, to come to the training on the Thursday night before the match on the, on the Sunday. Um, you know, we, we were fairly casual about things, but I was really, really conscious that we needed to, to get that training session in on the Thursday. I didn't mind if they missed the, the Tuesday night session, but that Thursday one was, was really important, especially coming up to the semi-finals and finals. Um, and I think they do thank me for it now because we have so many memories and, and such fond like experiences from that time. So uh, I look back and some of the photographs and I still have all the little medals from it and everything. But did you grab the reins in, in organising and setting up that team and, you know, taking the training sessions? That must have been a um, big responsibility at, at a young age. Uh, we were lucky in that sense. I didn't need to hold the drills and organise any of the sessions. I just had to get the girls there, get their buy-in and, and get them on the field. And that, that was it. Um, I yeah if I didn't have the two lads there it definitely it probably wouldn't have been the same result or same outcome uh, I've learned a lot from from those fellas uh, Paddy and Nathan at a young age though that must have been um you must have been deter- the determination motivation was was there um <laughs> in fairness fair, fair play to you, that's definitely something you have to admire um and I suppose what what advice do you give to young young kids or young girls who say that are in similar situations that you know say mightn't have um, a club in their area, but there's a kind of a, a small cohort of girls that kind of want to want to play with the team. Um, kind of you know relating to your own story. Yeah, I would say you know if you've got a real good group of girls that that um, that have played even get a football together or soccer together. Um, Okay, very good, very good. Um, do you think Irish women's rugby participation levels um have improved across the country? Rugby has come on a, a lot, and and there definitely are a lot more teams and a lot more under fifteen, under eighteen age groups for girls, uh, which is which is great to see. And um, 
especially with the provincial developments as well that like your interprovincial blitzes at the, that under 18 level at the minute it, it's so competitive and it's great to see such talent coming through like feeding the, the senior team brilliant brilliant and um i suppose then we, we uh you went into the ulcer setup and then when, when did um you you joined trinity you got a scholarship there wasn't it yeah um i suppose i joined the ulster team probably my final year of school at about 18 and then uh joined trinity and i had been spotted by some of the leinster girls uh when i was playing with ulster in, in the first interprovincial blitz um and it was um, one of the girls, Sharon Barris and Grace McCormick um, from Old Belvedere had spotted me and, and asked me, oh, why don't you come down to a training session um, here at Old Belvedere? And at the time, I didn't really, I, honestly, I didn't have a clue who Old Belvedere was or Black Rock or Railway or any of those teams and went to a training session and I was blown away by like the effort that the girls made to get to know me, the likes of Nora Stapleton, Sophie Spence, Maz O'Reilly, um, Ailish Egan, Jenny Murphy. Do you know, they, they, they knew my name. They were, I was, just felt so warm and welcomed uh, from the word go. So that was my, that was my team for, for AL rugby. And I got to play a little bit of college rugby with Trinity as well. It's kind of separate enough between the clubs and colleges. Um, and yeah, I just thought that was how, where I started probably playing proper rugby again. Brilliant, brilliant. And you, that, you were probably in your, your 20s or 21 then, were you early 20s at that stage? Uh, I suppose, yeah, 1920 was, was when that, that all started. Um, I had been lucky enough to play a little bit of senior rugby with Enniskillen ladies as well. Um, so that was really, that was a good stepping stone for me to give me the confidence then to kickstart the the AL rugby <laughs> and then when when did uh the the call up come that was your final year in, in college wasn't it yeah final year of college I think it was November December time I think college was winding down for the winter and uh, I got the call from Griggs I think I just submitted a big assignment for college uh, it was the last thing on my mind uh, rugby that is and got the call from Greg saying, oh, hey, Catherine, we'd love for you to join the squad for, for training and preparation for Six Nations. And uh, I don't know why, but I kind of interpreted that as uh, I'd be tackle bag holder and I'd be water girl or something. You know, I didn't really think that I would be uh, <laughs> in the mix for selection, never mind, um, you know, getting to start some of the Six Nations games. So uh, I suppose maybe that... That stood me in good stead. I, would, I didn't set my sights too high. I just worked hard and was, was happy to be there. And uh, I think that that was a good mindset to have. How, and how did you find um, balancing training with, you know, doing your final year in, in college? Because everyone knows that is very intense, especially yeah. physiotherapy. <laughs> yeah, very, very intense. Um, I suppose studying physiotherapy at Trinity was was brilliant for me uh trinity sports scholarship definitely helped me through my final year and i'm very lucky that a lot of my lecturers were were 
big rugby fans and, and pro rugby. So um, I got as much help as possible to get my assignments in. Uh, although I still had to submit my dissertation um, the night before playing France um, <laughs> on Irish soil. So I was in the hotel room, you know, kind of him and Han about submitting this this assignment and I suppose I had no better excuse than than having a French game the next day to just get it get it away and get it done. So <laughs> that was that was surreal. Jeez, that's uh that's not the best p- preparation for an international <laughs> game anyway, but <laughs> No, no, not at all. Not at and, all. And what was it like um stepping on the, the pitch, you know, your first international um game against Italy? It was against Italy, wasn't it? That, yeah, Italy yeah. was my first um, my first start, and then I did come on for the last fifteen minutes or so with the the England game, and then a little bit more for the Scotland game. But yeah, the, the Italy game was my first start, and honest to God, it was uh, probably the most spectacular moment of my life. Um, kind of realizing, geez, I deserve to be be here. I deserve to have this jersey on my back, and uh, I couldn't have asked for a better group of girls to walk out in the pitch with. Uh, the Italians are notoriously quite loud and, and um, the atmosphere was amazing in, in Zebra Stadium in, in Parma in Italy. Uh, the weather was roasting. It was such a dry heat. Uh, even though the game, I think, was real late at night, uh, I remember the warm-up being very very difficult I think girls still joke to this day that it was like the hardest warm-up for a match like they've ever had to do but um (laughs) we we got through it and I was just I don't think I've ever had as much energy for for anything in my life um the the adrenaline of the occasion um really got to me and I I loved loved every single minute of it um possibly one of one of my favorite games of rugby to play so far Brilliant, brilliant. And I suppose that, that leads, leads me into the next uh, question, that preparation was obviously going well for the, the Six Nations this year. Um, what, how are things looking at the moment? Is, is it completely off the cards or is it still on the cards? Is there going to be some games at the end of the year? Or? Yeah, um, we, we have um, a few player reps and, and people uh, involved in, in kind of the decision making around that. Uh, honestly they, they have no definite um call uh, with regards to the remainder of the Six Nations games this year. Um there was talk that it would be very much October, November time, although um there's no there's no firm decision on that. I'm kind of preparing myself that there will be games. I think the rest of the girls in the camp are are doing so as well. Uh, we're getting lots of skills and condition, strength and conditioning work sent from all the coaches. Um, we're kind of split into mini units and there's challenges each week. So, um, yeah, we're certainly building towards getting back on, on the field as soon as possible. But when, it, when, that, when that is, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't say. And um, are you qualified for the, the World Cup or is there still a qualifying um, process to go to take place? Yeah, so they're they're still configuring how the World Cup qualifiers are going to work out and when they're going to happen. Uh, they were supposed to be in October, November time of this year. So with the Six Nations games yet to be played, it's um, still to be decided what's going to happen, who's going to qualify. 
I really don't know. Um, and I'd be lying if I if I said I did. Uh, it's it's um, still in the decision making process at the minute, but hopefully, whatever way it works, I I don't mind what happens as long as I continue to get to play rugby. Uh, I'm happy enough. Perfect. And how? And I know you're saying you're, you're you're training and you're keeping fit for the, you know, with the hope of of games going ahead. Um, would you stay away from um, the media now and then? Because you know, sometimes when you read papers and all that, it does be very very negative. And if if you had to read the papers all the time, you wouldn't go training anymore because there's not a hope of anything, you know, going going ahead. Yeah, you're totally right, Jamie. Um, as you can probably tell by my last two answers, I am not very up to date with the current decision making in in sport in general. Uh, I found at the very start of lockdown that um, it actually made me feel quite negative, and it didn't help my energy levels or, or attitude at the time. So I've kind of stopped listening to the, to the news, stopped reading the media or the pundits chatting about getting back to sport because ultimately like this is a really good opportunity for um I know myself as a rugby athlete to, to get um as strong and as fit as possible and fine-tune my skills to be the best player I can be once this is all over so I don't mind <laughs> what happens after that I, I just need to make the most out of every day I've got brilliant brilliant and um I suppose, you know, uh, moving away from that, um, concussion is a big thing in, in rugby now. Um, it's obviously massive in, in the NFL, American football. Um, what's your, your feeling around it in, in women's rugby um, awareness? And do you think it's going the right direction? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think the IRFU have done a terrific job um, with their medical directorate in, in policing concussion in, in the women's game. Um, I know all referees, coaches, um, any form of staff on women's team from grassroots to, to elite level are um, educated and um, players as well, players, parents, everything, have a really firm understanding of concussion and signs and symptoms, the, the management process and the return to play protocol. I think it's drummed into us now at this stage that like you're very much aware of the signs and symptoms, I think even as a player, if I was worried at all that my teammate was had suffered some like a massive head impact or whatever, uh, you'd all be very com- uh, conscious of it. And um, certainly player welfare is, is the top priority. Um, so, yeah, I think the IRFU have got it really spot on in terms of concussion management in, in the female game at the moment. We're very lucky at the elite level that we've got match doctors, we've got physiotherapists, um, and you've got the video doc as well to see absolutely everything that goes on in the field. I don't, I, I don't know what what it's like in other sports, but um, I think there's very little room for missing out on on any sort of concussion uh, events in, in the women's game at the minute, which is great. And um, yeah, player player welfare is totally paramount at the minute. Perfect, perfect. And uh, just, I suppose, on that, um, do you think this current lockdown will drive players towards retirement? You know, say who are pushing towards 
retirement, you know, in the women's game? Or do you think it's going to have the opposite effect? They're going to come back um, with even more appetite? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I suppose I haven't considered that question at all. Um, on one hand, it might drive players towards retirement. Um, but on the other hand, it might maybe give them a bit of appetite in the fact that uh, this little bit of a break is giving their bodies a chance to recover, um, giving their heads a chance to recover as well, because mm-hmm. the, um, the the pressures of, of elite sport and the pressures of expectation and media and everything, um, it's really nice time to get a breather from all of that and get get our bodies in the right shape. So um, you never know. I think I think it, it'll remain pretty steady. I can't see any girls buying out after, you know with this sort of um upset to their season i think they'll they'll definitely give it another year and then then go um i know myself i wouldn't like to leave um with under these circumstances perfect perfect and i suppose something that i i have admired with um rugby players both male and and female is how well they're able to balance you know we say work training and how you know strict they are and disciplined they are with, with that compared to, I wouldn't say other sports, from what I've seen, and I think rugby players are that, that, are that bit ahead. Um, how do you balance your day? I know you, you're a full-time physio, and how do you train five or six days a week? Yeah. Um, what do I you live sure. by, maybe? Like, what would be your main you know, uh, focus every day? Or what would be your main saying or, or something like that to get you through every day um at the minute probably or what, what yeah i'm back in work now two weeks full-time which is great um and i suppose my main focus point is fueling myself so i'm lucky enough that i'm in private practice i can kind of set aside the 15 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes at lunchtime just to make sure that i'm getting my food on board um getting enough nutrition to, to allow my body to adapt to all the training and, and get allow those strength and conditioning gains to, to actually happen. Uh, that that's probably one of my strong focus points. And I always try to um get at least fifty passes or fifty kicks into my day, like somewhere along the line. That it has to be has to be there. Um I'm a real firm believer of of um like the the motor skills and and um kind of that a uh, bit like a pianist or a hurler or whatever you know if you don't practice your your trade you're you're not gonna build on it and get better better so um I try to do at least fifty of either or each day at some stage so oh so pra- practice 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 and yeah. just get it in every day no matter what. Pretty much, um, yeah, yeah. Perfect. And just just on that point, you were saying um, to get the right food on board. Uh, what would be your just to wrap it up? Now, what would be your favorite snacks? Um, and what would you what would you eat for breakfast? To say snacking during the day and dinner overall, roughly. I know it might change from day to day, but yeah, yeah. Um, I love a porridge in the morning. I love my big bowl of porridge with peanut butter. Um, few nuts, uh, raspberries, coconut. Um, that's that's my dream breakfast. And then snack wise, I really enjoy a 
a banana with peanut butter on top. Um, I'm a massive peanut butter fan. And lunch times would probably be eggs of some sort. Uh, so at the minute, I'm really enjoying kind of poached eggs in a tomato sauce with a few peppers um, in it as well with a nice like bit of sourdough bread, crusty bed, and um my dinners are all sorted because my my housemates are amazing cooks. So uh, this evening's dinner was uh was spaghetti bolognese. It was ideal. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Look Catherine, thanks so much for uh taking the time out and having a chat with me. I appreciate it. Um I could keep talking but I bet we better wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jamie. Perfect. And look, best look going forward. Thanks a million. Cheers, Jamie. All the best. I hope you all enjoyed our interview with Catherine. Her journey to represent our country is quite interesting, inspirational and motivating. She never gave up and if there is a will, there is a way. This now marks the end of episode one. Remember, we would love to hear any stories that you may have been part of a team whether it's a sports team or a team in work, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please do email us at info at ontheballteambuilding.com. We're also on all social media platforms too. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.